Welcome to the Refractor Rants podcast, a sports card podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, also known as TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with card dealer globetrotter Max, also known as Cards Max. Max, welcome to the Refractor Rants podcast. How are you doing? I'm locked in and dialed in, Tommy, for our first ever episode of Refractor Rants, and we have some info to share. Yeah, I mean, we kept it a secret for a while, but uh, we, you know, we teased it out at the last Young Old Heads. We have a new name, a little more card forward. You know, we're going to lean as far into the sports card world as we possibly can. Um, you know, the goal with me and Max is that we want to be the sports card podcast that everyone listens to. You know, we want to bring Pete, we want to bring new people into the hobby. We want to help 10x the hobby, but we also want to help 10x your enjoyment of the hobby that you currently have if you're already into sports cards. So, we're excited about the the name. I mean, we love alliteration. You gotta love alliteration. You gotta love Charles for redoing our logo for us and revamping the whole brand. Um, Max, are you excited for the Refractor Ants era? I know I am. I am, and really, if this podcast all originated out of me and Tommy tweeting each other online, progress progressing into FaceTime meeting each other very often, talking about cards a lot, and then ultimately culminating into dude the conversation that every person every male in their young 20s should be having with someone at some point the dude we should totally start a podcast man we'd be even bigger than joe rogan and i said hey you know if we can you know if you can carry the production weight because i do not know how to use this stuff in the most part then i will carry my part and then some and then a more formal relationship was born uh, the name Young Old Heads was always a little bit centered on me and Tommy being younger collectors and enjoyers of sports and trading cards, but with the at least the knowledge base of an older head or someone who's been in it for a longer period of time. And ultimately, the name shift, first of all, Young Old Heads was always kind of a placeholder name to begin with, but I believe the transition to Refractor Rants will take the focus less on Tommy and me specifically, at least from a name standpoint, and more into a permanent sports card space. I love it. I think that's a great summary of kind of the reasoning behind the change. Uh, maybe we might even have some guests that are older than 30 years old on the podcast now. Who knows? Uh, kind of opens up a whole new world for us. But yeah, you know, we want to be we want to be the best sports card podcast in the game. I think this name will help us get there. Um, if we aren't already there, you know, we like to think highly of ourselves, obviously, but yeah, Max, let's, let's dive into the sports card conversations if you're down for it. Yes. Let's dive in. Well, it's been a few weeks, Max, since we've talked formally, uh, and recorded it. So what have you been up to, man? I know you've been kind of globetrotting around to tease it at the beginning, but, uh, where have you been at? I do like the name globetrotting around. Um, I want to say two weeks ago, I was at the Berman card show. This week, I was at my local Tampa Bay card show. I was set up with uh, Zeke's Burner on Twitter and bumped into our good friend, the Wax Museum podcast, and we chatted for a short bit. Damn, I'm so jealous you got to meet Kyle. I, I've been wanting to eventually talk to him, actually. I mean, we chat with each other sometimes online. Uh, what did you guys talk about? Um, we talked about a mix of both podcasting and life in general and the sports card climate in the area as well as the types of wacky stuff I had in my case. Um, I was splitting a showcase with a friend of which 
I do need to start buying my own showcases because I do want to make a better effort into setting up locally. But I digress. Um, I had my Ty Cobb Sovereign PSA 3 completely hidden under other cards, even though that wasn't my intention. And that's part of the dilemma that you have when you have limited showcase space. Even if in my own showcases, I'm piling cards on top of each other. I love the the art of showcase designing and like placing your cards. That was always something. That's a great conversation starter with a dealer. If you're just like looking at their case, like, dang, you really thought this out. I really respect it. That was always one of my go-to lines going to shows. That the curating of a showcase is usually not necessarily intentional and in trying to curate towards an audience, but is very intentional in what a dealer's own interests is. Um, there's nothing a little bit more tone deaf than someone. Again, I will look at everything, but if you're showing me 1970s in-person autographs and you're showing it to me where I have a showcase of probably five vintage cards, all of which are superstars, there's nothing in my showcase to suggest that I need a Greg Nettles IP auto and an SGC Authentics Lab. That's not to say that there aren't other people in the room that need that, but again, if I even if I'm trying to sell to other dealers, I get not only get a sense of who they are and what they need and how they work, but also there's nothing more indicative of what they buy than what's already in their showcase. Dude, absolute shade thrown at Greg Nettles, man. Just absolutely catching a stray for no reason in this podcast right now. Yeah, dude did not like when I said that the last comp on his Johnny Bench IP auto was $22. And he said, uh, does that comp shit work for you? And I wasn't witty enough to respond in the time, but I probably should have responded. I'm confused. Are you saying that sale didn't happen? <laughs> Max versus the IP vintage crowd, I guess, is a new battle for the Refractor Rants era. I'm kind of hyped about it. Love speech. So uh, what else went down, though? You set up in Tampa. You had some fun. You talked to Kyle. What uh, what went down in Burbank, though? You flew, ha you flew literally all the way across the country for a card show, Max. I flew literally halfway across the country, not even to do that many crazy deals, at least by my standard. I had maybe one small lot of about like seven cards for two grand. Um, coolest card, but not necessarily the largest card of that lot was the mark jackson 1990s oops i bought in a psa 10 which of course has the melendez brothers pictured in the back and if you're gonna pick on me for saying 1990s hoops fuck you i don't know what year it is but it is the melendez brothers mark jackson card that i have having a psa 10 so that was probably the most interesting pickup i'd say overall it was successful in all ways other than buying and selling cards um, I try not to live in a self-fulfilling self prophecy, but everything I heard was that Thursday was hectic and every football basketball card under a certain dollar range was sniped and poached up and it was a race to see who can get those cards. And even I've always been able to uh, groove and jive in more obscure baseball. So I was able to take that in on Friday and the other days because it wasn't there, there Thursday. Um, I had some success with Beckett RCR and in PSA's, uh, wasn't on site, but I think it was PSA's courier grading in that if you were able to get the cards on Thursday, which I had a friend drop off for me, then you were able to get the PSA results early, later in the weekend. And I had success with that that I can get into more detail with. And yeah, so grading cards, 
um, seeing friends, having fun, uh, successful in all ways, but really buying and selling, but that's okay. Cards are cards. You've been to a few Burbank shows, right, Max, so far? This was my third. Can you give me a little evolution of the show? Kind of how does it compare to the first two before I ask you to dive into your Beckett RCRs, of course? Yeah, I'd say maybe this is more due to the climate, but I would say this might've been the weakest of the three Burbank shows. Again, I'm if anything, I'm not dogging the show itself. If anything, I'm dogging maybe the climate and my own experience in knowing more and more of these dealers. And then it's just partly people that just fly out to the same show. Um, it's always refreshing seeing dealers that are more West Coast based or West Coast centric because I usually am not exposed to that. The show was well run. Um, my first show was a year ago. Yeah, I want to say about a year ago, you know, or 53 weeks ago, where it was in the same Anna, no, Ontario Convention Center. Um, the, then in August, it went in the Anaheim Convention Center, which I believe previously held the national. And that Anaheim show was phenomenal in that there had every single sports car dealer table all in a room of like several of tens of tables in each row. And it was as all single file rows of different dealers, extremely organized, enough space for everyone. And that was just phenomenal. And this third show was back in the slightly smaller Ontario Convention Center. Overall, it was a good show, probably still one of the best shows in the country. I then red eye flights out of Ontario are a little bit grueling. And it's a big travel commitment for a guy like me who's based in the East Coast. But I can't really dog the show at all. And really, it's a very interesting climate if you're buying and selling sports cards right now. Is there still a liquidation center at the show? Uh, there was, and he had a long list of appointments, so I was not able to have a meet. Oh, also, I will say that there were, just anecdotally, there were a ton of TCG and One Piece collectors in the show. I want to say half of the Beckett RCR line was people that wanted were trying for black labels in their One Piece cards, which is definitely a trial and tribulations itself that can definitely be lucrative, but that it's just something that I don't know about. I have a lot of love in my heart for the TCG guys who love the black label Beckett. I feel like that's just like a great little sub niche world out there. In the it's, uh, it's very swaggy. Yeah, it's a lot of clout chasers. I feel like not that we aren't all in our in our own way clout chasing out here. Yeah, clout chasing for our own lives. Yeah. Everyone wants the best collection. And it we like enjoy sharing it to others, not out of braggadociousness, but in showing what some people can look but not touch. Well, tell me tell me what you back at RCR at the show. So I back at RCR four cards and three came back um, PSA nines. Sorry, well, that was a confusing statement. <laughs> I Beckett RCR'd four cards and three came back PSA nines. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised. No, I was confused because um, I have three came back Beckett nine fives. And I was confused because I'm looking down and I see I have my PSA baggies in order to like kind of protect the seal. And that's why I immediately thought PSA nines, even though two of these were previously PSA nine. No, one was previously a PSA nine right before I submitted it. But anyways, I guess for people that... I'm sure everyone that's listening is well familiar with Beckett RCR, but given that it's really only at two different shows a year in both the Dallas card show and Burbank, I think it's, there's some explaining as to why to use it. And the three cards I have here are a 
Shohei Otani, Topps Chrome Update. The light is not doing me any favors, but this is a refractor out of 250 from Topps Chrome Update. A Ronald Acuna Jr., Bowman's Best 2018 Gold Auto out of 50. And a Topps Finest Anthony Volpe True Orange Auto to 25. So all three of those got nine fives on the RCR. Yeah, and my rationale for doing it is RCR is, I believe, $20 each and $5 for the subgrade. That sounds right. Plus 20, plus 20, plus 25. Yeah, I think that's it. Something like that. Anyway, yeah, no, I think it's $20 for each RCR and then an extra $5 for a subgrade. And the normal Beckett submission that I use is $40 for a one-month turnaround. And these are all cards that, in my opinion, weren't clean enough to get a PSA 10, but also borderline in the case of getting a Beckett, you know, PSA 9. Like I knew with the Volpe, in my opinion, again, because I'm not professional, this card has never been graded, but the print lines are a little bit too strong. And I'm thinking, okay, everything else about this card looks clean, but I think the print lines will hinder it from gemming at PSA. So maybe this is a surface nine subgrade and everything else is gem mint and I can squeeze by and I can get the nine five. Um, cards and really everything in life, but especially cards, it's a, again, you're going to use the chemistry equilibrium, but it's a equilibrium between time and money or really, or in some cases, time and opportunity, mostly time and opportunity, but time and money. And I'd rather spend the extra 25 bucks just to get another shot at like subbing it to Beckett rather than sending it to Beckett, waiting a month, and then using that as like a shot from the three-point line in order to see if it's gemming. I'd rather just spend the 25 bucks, know immediately the fate of this card, so then I can then continue to work it. And if I spend the extra 40 bucks, I have a 95 to 97% certainty that these are going to come back the grade that I sent them out at. When you when you RCR card max, what what percentage of the time do those cards end up moving before you get them encapsulated, or do you or they almost always get end up getting encapsulated um, before selling? It's not too high. It's like 20 percent. I mean, it's not zero. Um, and I mean, usually the negotiation is pretty easy or whatever. I pretty much value it the same as like a min gem yeah, because you never know those upgrades, and that's usually how it goes with Beckett RCR. But um, I at least at, at the Dallas Card Show, I want to say in September, I gemmed my uh, Paolo Benchero photogenic gold autograph out of 10. And that was a Beckett 9.5 RCR. And I immediately show, sold it at that same show for a few hundred bucks profit. And that was just nice and easy. Yeah, but I feel like that makes sense. When you can get the easy profit on a card when it's RCR. When it makes sense and it's it. easy profit, then that's part of the name of the game. Yeah, take cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, throwback. Um, but Max, I think, I think I got a sense. You know, I like to live vicariously through your card show adventures. I will be back to going to card shows at some point. I will be going Memorial Day weekend to the Shipshawana show, and I will definitely be going to the National somehow. Nice. Two shows a year. Well, the Chicago Spectacular, and this is a huge gripe I have. Slight rant, slight refractor rant here. Um, but they throw. The Chicago Spectacular on St. Patrick's Day weekend, which is notoriously a massive weekend for drinking alcohol in Chicago, where Rosemont is a solid 40 minutes away, which is not going to happen if I'm drinking beers by the river during the day. So unfortunately, probably not going to be going to that. Maybe I'll go to Sunday if I'm not, if I'm feeling up for it. But 
Um, well, Max, I'm I've been kind of excited. I've ripped I've ripped a little bit of the the new new, aka 2024 Tops flagship series one. Uh, have you seen any cool ones out in the wild since since it's been released a couple weeks ago? Honestly, no. So you're not seeing those cards aren't showing up yet. Those 2024 tops cards are not really showing up. Well, I, I had a pretty sick sick box. I opened I opened one hobby box from Elite Sports Cards and I pulled a Mojo Auto, which was out of 139 of Andrew Abbott, who also has a rookie gold cup, which is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. So I'm hyped about the auto pull from the Mojo pack. And I also pulled in one single pack. And I've been hearing boxes of this where you only get like one numbered card, maybe. In one pack of my hobby box, I pulled three numbered cards. A Jazz Chisholm gold out of 2024, a random in random Guardians guy black flagship out of 73 or 74, 74 this year, and then a Shohei Otani black 35th anniversary red game used relic out of 199, all in the same pack. And I've been hearing a lot of stories about 2024 tops and people ripping it, and it seems like the collation is really bad. So I would very much resist ever opening any single packs of this product because i think that you might be in the scenario where one hobby box one of the packs has all the hits in it and then you end up with you know a bunch of base straight base packs which i've been seeing the case in most of the cases so i was hyped to pull four numbered cards in one hobby box i feel like that's pretty momentous for me in my my ripping times but you know i like the 89 i mean 1989 tops is a pretty classic design in my opinion i kind of love Love what the mojos look like. The 35th anniversaries are looking nice. Um, none of the inserts are really popping out to me, Max. Um, I know that one of the big things that we talked about last week, or not last week, whatever, the last episode of Young Old Heads was the fact that they did that first card thing where there's like a first card emblem and it's a one one It's like technically the first printed card, I guess, of the base card. Apparently, they just forgot to foil the front of all those cards. So make sure to check the back of your base cards. Um, in case you you might have one of these one of ones that aren't really one of ones. Um, any any other thoughts, Max, on the series one? I have a couple other cards sets or like inserts that I think are kind of cool. I guess. Yeah, I don't really know. I th- guess I do like the technicality of the first printed, and I think that can be a fun nuance for collectors. But and how it was executed, it definitely is going to lead to more being thrown in the trash can than there are more thrown into binders and auction sites. And that's just the sad truth of it. This reminds me of, I want to say it was 2022 or 2021. I think it was 2021 top series one where they made the platinum one of one and the 70th anniversary platinum, the exact same when the platinum one of one was intended to have a port, a platinum parallel in addition to a foil front. And and I think believe they corrected that for series two, but they did not leave that for series one. And it really just questions why there's these you know random one of not random but you know purposeless one of ones that just look identical to the out of seventies. So big miss foiling and bad execution by by tops. Um, I know I've been a loud vocal supporter of gimmick parallels and Halloween fractors and frozen factors and taco fractors, at least for all 2023, I am reneging that's that stance in 2024 and Easter fractors and New York Yankees fractors and chiclet fractors. They are going way too intense with the uselessness and futility of these parallels. 
to the extent where it's disrespecting the traditionalness of that. Like before, okay, there was like one or two silly fun parallels before, but now we are, this is just making it more and more a world where the first Bowman card is more important and the rookie card is meaningless. Well, Max, you say you're against gimmick parallels or whatever, random parallels, but I've been seeing you tweeting and getting in fights with people because you're such a big fan of these Kevin Hart random ass Philly Philly parallels. So explain yourself there. No, I am a fan of the Kevin Hart Phillies parallels and some of the other celebrity influencer gimmicks that are on baseball cards. And I think that's an interesting way to connect and really give a hat tip to people that are very diehard in cards or just no Michael Rubin, but whatever. I don't, I'm, I'm neither, but, <laughs> but I do think the more different types of ways that you can connect to a collector without making a parallel of literally every single holiday, the better that you can make the collecting experience for everyone. As long as you don't disrespect the card itself. The one, one other parallel that is new this year that I'm pretty hyped about, or at least seems to be cool is the 35th anniversary quote-unquote real ones parallel that's numbered out of the so the year that it is the 35th anniversary of so in this case 89 for 1989 they're like vintage they're basically vintage stock parallels of the 35th anniversary of the card stock used at the time which i feel like adds to the the collecting experience more so than like kevin hart parallels do because really like who gives a fuck about that but i do but Max does. So quality. All right. Speaking of quality assurance, though, Max, um, there's been some rumblings of Panini fucking up once again on missing a ton of autos in prison basketball. Um, I've been hearing stories of whole hobby boxes being ripped without finding autos. Seems like they might have just forgotten the autos in a lot of different boxes. So have you? did you hear any rumblings of this at any of the shows you're at or online at all? None really at shows, but I've seen a lot of rumblings online of seeing people have legitimately missing hits. Um, some people are saying, oh, but the but the color parallels will bail you out when it's, dude, if this is a $800 box or however expensive that specific configuration was, expensive box, this is not a joke. And sure, I don't know if a Scoot Henderson Colorado would fix that anyway, but it still is telling to the point or this might be able to be used and abused by two Panini reps, and that's not cool, even though Panini isn't necessarily for the hobby. Don't use and abuse them. And yeah, moment that is bad for the hobby, in case you needed my spelling out. And I still I still don't think we've even heard any follow-ups to the story of all these backdoor one-on-ones that have been that popped up a few months ago. That's been kind of swept under the rug, right? Yeah, that was kind of swept under the rug. Classic big hobby move right there. Um but one set that I'm excited about that was announced this week, Max, is that they're making Live Golf, Prism Golf. John Rahm, who I've ranted about a few times now on this podcast, is finally getting his rookie card, so I'm hyped about that. I know you don't really care, but Prism Golf, I will be ripping and be hyped about. It might be my version of Jason Dardick's WNBA Prism. Uh, Mike, just go all in on Live Golf Prism, Max, and you're just going to have to listen to me talk about it. No, I'm a fan of more prison gold parallels. I'm a fan of color blasts and all that fun stuff. So I will be in support of you ripping your cute little two blasters. Oh, well, thank you. Maybe I'll splurge and get a hobby if it's not too expensive. No, you won't. Max, do you think that 
it's good for the hobby that CJ Stroud and Wemby have exclusives with tops for autographs. No, I don't think it's good for the hobby. Um, I think that it's, I don't want to be too critical, but um, Fanatics has definitely taken a very interesting approach in trying to squeeze Panini. And I remember hearing the rumblings that Fanatics might buy out Panini and that Panini said, no, we're not going to be bought out anymore. And all this other cute little fun stuff. But, and I think Fanatics has really taken the vertical approach and trying to, again, use the same, I think Tops and Panini always use the same printing factory. And I think that was before Fanatics even acquired them. But I think Fanatics like bought the printing company or something like that. This is, could just be me, me yapping, as the kids would say. But um, yeah, Fanatics owning the printing company. Fanatics, of course, now trying to take the one calling card that they're going to get anyway, which is the NFL and NBA licenses, and just take the superstars from that and get the exclusive autograph rights. Um, it's just a cruel way for, I mean, as collectors or speculators, whatever label you may choose, being deprived of really the the, the top players in the product not having licensed rookie card, licensed autograph rookie cards. Yeah. And not seeing Wembenyama in a Spurs uniform with his name on the card, it's a deprivation. It's I don't think it's groundbreaking. I've said it's mid overall. It's not hugely amazing. Obviously, it's not hugely amazing, but it's not hugely killer either. And that they still have rookie card autographs regardless. But even you can see, I think, in the Panini next day autos, Stroud's one of his only licensed you know, Houston Texans autographs. It's a card that's through the roof because of just, he does not have many Texans autographs. And that is not good for the hobby. No, I agree. I, I just think Ruben's being petty as fuck. And like, it's like, dude, go back to making Allen and Ginter autos of yourself. And like, let the hobby, like the hobby's not going to 10 X without being able to have cool rookie autographs of the best players. So you know, you can say fuck it for the next two years, but the next two years might fuck you in the long run, you know? Yeah. Well, Max, the the last thing we need to talk about before we get to the ending of the podcast, which isn't going to be too much different than what people are used to, um, is Hobby Rip Night. Uh, I think it was Saturday night. Uh, Ruben basically cashes out to send a bunch of athletes to a bunch of card shows, card shops around the country for a little gathering at each shop. Uh, it seems like a pretty cool thing. You know, it definitely gets buzz. I think like Bleacher, you know, all the sports news outlets report on it. You know, Brady comes out. Kevin Durant was even at one, which is interesting considering he's not associated with Fanatics as far as I know. Um, Steve Aoki, I got in some heat because some people were defending Steve Aoki when I said he was the worst hobby rip night guest that I saw out there. Um, you didn't, I'm guessing you, you don't have a hobby rip You got to respect that. No, I'm not saying I don't respect him, but in terms of like Tom Brady, Kevin Durant, like Anthony Richardson showing up at Indy Card Exchange, like all these dudes that are athletes. Then you got Steve Aoki, who can you name one Steve Aoki song, Max? Um, he had that Pursuit of Happiness remix in Project X. You know, you hear they're making a sequel to Project X. Yeah, I did. I'm uh, I'm excited. Well, that's maybe, literally that's that's literally max well i just i think it's a pretty objective take here to say that steve aoki out of all those dudes is the worst the worst guest you could have yeah no steve aoki is definitely uh interesting 
yeah and uh my my card shop i did get a rip night shirt from my card shop because ronnie's ronnie the guy who runs the shop said they sent me like 20 shirts i'm not going to open the shop up that late so he just won a shirt so i was able to get one without actually going um which is kind of cool but in general this is the sort of rip night parallels this year there were hobby rip night there's like a set of baseball cards that they released um there were parallels in those packs that i saw but I think there wasn't you... flagship parallels not flagship parallels i think they went with the like own set like strategy with this one um that's hella lame hella lame i agree um but i do agree i do like hobby rip nights i'm i'm excited to keep having these happen um i think investing in real life events where you can bring friends and get them hyped about the hobby and see tom brady at a card shop in the news those are good things they're better than some other things that we mentioned during this episode, Max. We're going to end this episode with a new segment, not too different from what the segment you're probably expecting. This is going to be called Deals of the Week. It can be sales, it can be buys, it can be trades, it can be anything related to exchanging money or cards for other cards. Max, do you want to lead us off with a few fun ones? Uh, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I don't even, I mean, first of all, I don't even know the price I paid for these. So, ooh. But um, this is a cool card on my desk um, and an iconic parallel that people that know ball know. And this is a Julio Rodriguez rainbow foil out of 25 from Stadium Club. Great image. And the out of 25 rainbow foils are probably one of the more coveted collector friendly parallels from Stadium Club. Zooming in on that out of 25. So I got this for a price, not a rookie, but a cool card um caitlin clark refractor bowman u autograph fun card she is killing it lately refractor autograph caitlin clark that is a card on my desk yeah i don't know those are the two cards that are most present in my card mind right now those are fire i'm a huge fan of the caitlin clark she's uh she's obviously a baller Maybe, yeah, I don't maybe. have an outright play of the week type uh, monologue to go on either of them, but those are two cards that I think everyone who is doing cards right now should know about, both in Stadium Club being a now month, maybe two month ago release, as well as that Caitlin Clark is a hooper. Well, I have a uh, one to match you here. I I ripped a box of Goodwin Champions like a month ago, and I pulled a Juju Watkins auto, on-card auto, of a freshman at USC women's basketball player who is just absolutely killing it. Popping she off. Hoops. She hoops. Yeah, she hoops. And it sold at auction from my eBay, which doesn't have a ton of clout as an eBay seller. Sold for $117. An on-card Goodwin Champions auto, ungraded raw. And the I guy... Count that high. I know, pretty insane. So the last comp before I put it up for auction, so I listed it when no other versions of the card were listed. And the last comp was $50 and it went out of auction for 117. So shows that women's college basketball is kind of hot right now and very liquid, which is kind of cool to see. Um, haven't seen the same thing at all in the men's basketball side of things and the Bowman U and stuff. I mean, Bronny James, not that good at basketball, makes his cards come kind of come down. I don't think there's really any hyped prospects for this year's draft for basketball. I know that there's a guy going to Duke next year that'll probably change that up a little bit but it seems like all the hype in basketball is kind of focused directly on Wemben Yama so that was a fun sell I had very rare for me to have any sales of the week but I did make yeah, one really no, fun. I mean I, I mean after seeing March Madness on your couch last year 
Um, I definitely had to take that. I thought the women's bracket of March Madness was more interesting than the men's bracket for probably the first year ever. Then I think that partly was contributed to there being too many upsets on the men's side and the women's side was just lots of juggernauts. Uh, and maybe that trend will continue this year, but we are pro women and pro women sports on this podcast. Definitely. Um, and another trade I made was with esteemed card collector, Rich, Rich Moy, uh, who is always a friend of the podcast, but I traded, he had a basically the most beat up 2002 tops Chrome gold or factor each hero gold cup. That's probably ever out there. Probably a PSA one. I think it's survived a house fire or something. Uh, Rich reached out or Rich Rich posted about it saying he's down to trade it. I ended up trading him a nice little stack of cards for this card. He said it was he valued it around $100, which I think is fair cuz it's a 2002 gold refractor Ichiro gold cup which I think the the raws usually sell around $250 $300 if they're in halfway decent condition. Um but Max, I traded him a nice little lot. I traded Rich. Let's see, let's pull it up. I traded him my Shohei Otani black out of 199 relic that I pulled out of series one traded him an Aaron judge purple Chrome heritage gold cup refractor, a Shohei gold cup rainbow foil parallel, your least favorite flagship parallel and a Trey Mancini gold tops Chrome out of 50. So a few just kind of random cool cards. Um, also threw in a couple other, you know, little Yankees for my, for my boy, rich, but was hyped about that. A super beat up Ichiro Gold Cup will be a great binder edition. So I'm super, super fired up about that. And my last, my last deal of the week or cards that I got in the mail um, at Old Man Twenty Eight, another big friend of the podcast here. He sent me the t- San Francisco Giants Metallica team set, which was a giveaway I think in 2015 or 14 for the, or I think it was 2015 for the Giants that has all the guys on Metallica and then like four or five Giants players. They all have Metallica logo on it and then the Tops logo. They're very sick cards. Um, the ultimate collab of a stadium giveaway with a music brand and a baseball team. Uh, there's like a Buster, Hunter Pence, Mad Bum. I think, one, I think Sergio Romo. And then it's all the Metallica guys. Uh, so Max, I feel like that's the sort of shit that I love. I'm a fan of that, and I like the stories and trades that you just you know kind of wrapped up. And I think that's an interesting case where um, both players won the trade in that one. Before we before we head out here, Max, uh, what is uh, what's the state of the hobby in your opinion? You know, you've been you've been traveling around. You're the man of the people. You're out there. You're talking to people. You hate on me for not going to card shows enough. Like, what's the vibe? Is it is there panic in the air? I know the market's down, obviously, since we started this podcast two years ago. Like, none, none of these prices are really staying the same, but there's definitely a lot of people that have been weeded out. There's still a lot of real ones collecting. Um, what's been going on? What do you think? I think people have progressively perfected their niches from a collecting and buying and selling standpoint, and that the more items that exist in the common denominator, the quicker something flies. And I'm saying this from a buying and selling perspective, from a collecting standpoint, I think it's bittersweet in that I think the new available product is both has so many options while, um, you know, in a seeming contradiction is also seems more dismal and selective because there's so much abundance. The hobby is healthy. The hobby is alive. Shows have packed turnouts and that's with kids. That's with collectors. That's with evil, greedy buyers and flippers. 
um, there's people that want to pay a premium for cards, but they aren't really acting as rashly. And that's been the case for the past two years. Um, niche, and I hope, you know, they know this won't be niche for long, but sports like college sports for men and women, women's basketball and Bowman U, um, PMGs for maybe not the most licensed, you know, non-sport, whatever, you know, Marvel, whatever you think of Bob. Disney is popping. Um, I know Leaf, something we didn't talk about, Leaf recently did like Steamboat Willie set and the cards look really nice at it, you know, to kind of either capitalize or poke fun of both for Steamboat Willie now losing its, uh, you know, copyright due to how long it's been a thing. I know that was very inarticulate, but now Disney does not have exclusive rights to it. Um, yeah, lots of focus on Prism. Um, my really one comment is that Baseball isn't as hot as it was this time a year ago, but baseball was picking up quickly with Spencer Jones and others. And I'm excited for what the next year will have in hold. Who's the most in-demand baseball player right now? No one. That's no just, one. Honestly, that's just me being blunt. Like, no, no one's like, wow, you have that baseball player in your case. It's like no one. Man. I feel like that's the biggest thing. And I was explaining this to a friend who doesn't collect cards, but they're like, oh, who, who are you looking to get in 2024 tops? And I'm like, well, like a year ago, it would have been really hyped to pull an Ellie De La Cruz rookie card. But I but Fanatics now does. I was explaining to him how Fanatics now holds out on rookie cards to try to build up more hype for future products. But I'm like, they just missed the boat on the hype there because now everyone just kind of expects Ellie De La Cruz to kind of just be like an average semi above average player you know he's gonna be a professional baseball yeah, like, player i mean i think there's enthusiasm for jason dominguez and elliot cruz but no one's really asking for his cards i mean camonero is someone who's been frequently asked about but again prospecting but i'd probably say camonero is the most asked interesting well i'm excited for baseball season personally just as a baseball fan so i will be continuing to buy cards obviously um basketball teams like Wemby's kind of controlling the market right max is that am i still right on that yes but no one's really asking for him basketball is always a little lukewarm football is always hot 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 well we'll see you guys next week on wednesdays we will be trying to keep it as consistent as possible on wednesday releases here today we're recording monday on february 26th so if some crazy news happens in the next couple of days don't blame us um, max do you have any parting words here for our for our listeners this is an R-rated podcast for vulgarity, explicit language, and refractors.